following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to another episode of Eat Sleep List. I am Matt Johnson. <laughs> I am Matt Johnson. I am not Matt Johnson. I am Brian Finch. I am your new co-host. Hopefully you are aware of me. If you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me ooh, conservatively six times, seven times, something like that. What do at, you think? Least. at least. Yeah, I would say at least because I'm pretty sure... You've done it in my tenure here at least twice, mm-hmm. and then you were on a bunch before that. So yeah, it's probably your sixth or seventh time. Yeah, as mm-hmm. as well, first time as a regular though too. Yes, and I, I you know, I'm the eat sleep list uh, squatter. You know what I mean? I have squatters rights on this podcast, and I think that's why Matt felt comfortable with handing off co-host duties to me. It's a great honor. I'm happy to be with my good buddy, Dan Torres, as always. Hell yeah. I am super excited that you're here, Brian. I There were things that I was thinking of as far as, because you know, even though we know each other and we've known each other for a while, you get those certain anxieties when you think about certain things. Like It's like the first day of school jitters where yes. you're like, oh, what if my friends don't like me anymore or that? And I was sitting around today and I was thinking... He, we have so much in common. You're a big comic book fan. You're a big history guy like I am as well. But the one thing that I don't have in common with Matt that we have in common that we can explore too is we could now do bills lists. And I'm going to be so <laughs> excited to do those at some point. Like, even though, even though Matt and I vibe when it comes to that, you know, I, I don't bring up the bills around him a lot because he's been hurt by them quite right. a bit. And and understandably so. So this is that that gave me like the boost that I needed where I was like, oh, we're going to have so much fun with the show going forward. Uh, Bills may or may not appear on this list that we're doing today. May or may not. Uh, so th- I gave you one idea early on when when Matt had asked me. So I'd reached out and I, I pitched an idea. Uh, we'll save that for later down the road. I pivoted mostly because you just kind of already touched on it of getting to know each other a little bit better, sharing a little more of our lives. That way our communication and our understanding of each other is better communicated through the podcast. Like you and Matt had such, you know, great rapport with each other and there was never any, like it never seemed unnatural. You know what I mean? Not that Mm -hmm. you have to know somebody, you know, very well to go through a podcast with them because you definitely don't 
but it makes it better. So uh, I was kind of hoping that's what we get out of this one. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that was a really good idea. And this is, um, it, it, this is a good one to, uh, start with because it's very general too. So it's, it's something, like I said, at the end of last week's podcast, where because it's so open, we're really going to be able to get to know each other way, way more. This is, I made the um, first day of school analogy before. This is like the first day activity where it's like, oh, get together, tell, tell your favorite food, your favorite color, like all those icebreaker games you used to do in every class. Um, but this is, this is going to be a really fun one. So we're going to title this one the life experience list. So we're just going to share a couple of fun stories, instances of things that we thought were unique, interesting, cool. I'm going to get a few things out of the way right away because I already told this to the wife. Me getting married and me having two lovely daughters is top of the list of life experiences, but they're not on this list. Mm. Mostly because having a child is not a unique experience, while it is just as impactful and as important as any of these other things that will be on this list. Uh, I, I thought I was like, yeah, we'll leave those up. I'll just mention, yes, I'm married. I have two kids. It's awesome. Uh, but other cool shit has happened in my life. Uh, I'm sure you feel the same. Absolutely. I can't say that. Um getting married isn't on my list yeah. but like the, but there are some reasons for that too that i'll talk about uh um, absolutely when we get to that but yeah absolutely this is i tried to do things that were unique to you know my either my job or like my upbringing or you know stuff that's close to me i didn't want to make it very like Oh, when I rode a bike for the first time, when I did this, when I the first time I played this video game, because it's like a, a lot of people have those shared experiences. Yeah. So I, I did try to diversify mine as well, but it's good that you checked with the wife beforehand too, and just put that on. The last thing you want is, uh, you know, being on the revenge hit list for a little bit after she listens to the podcast. Famously, I was uh, called out by her after doing the Christmas gift uh, list way back when, and uh, I had no gifts from her on there whatsoever. It was all gifts from when I was a kid. You know, I, I, I didn't use anyone from when I was in my 20s. It was all from like, I don't know, late teens to as early as I could remember. And she was like, you didn't list anything from me. I'm like, <laughs> I love them. I, 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 thank you. <laughs> Like she That's, got my first eye touch, like that was cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's one of those things too where the nostalgia factor kind of plays into it. Yeah. Like you, I mean, that's that's so important. And when we do these reminiscing ones, of just like it's got to hit right, or else you're just not going to want to put it down. If it was a struggle for you to think of it, like you know what I mean, it's just maybe not even worth putting on the list. There is at least one that I'll mention. Like I almost skipped over this but i'm glad i didn't mm. uh, i'm sure we'll have instances of that the whole time for sure absolutely man so what do you say my friend you want to make our first list together brian let's make a list man all right the life experience list number 10 dan what you got i'm gonna put uh at my number 10 
I'm going to say getting my first dog is my number 10. So I am uh, a cat owner now. I have two cats that I very much love and have a great relationship with. I love their personalities. They greet me at the door every day when I come home. They're just like they're funny in their own way. But um, I put this one at number 10 because, you know, a lot of people have the experience of getting a dog. Yes. Um, but my dog was special. I grew up a lot of uh, my childhood years afraid of dogs. So I had a weird thing about being around them for a very long time. And then once I started to be around more of them and like get used to, you know, just their mannerisms and the way they are, I fell in love and I wanted one of my own. Um, so we didn't get my family dog until I was around like seventh or eighth grade. So a lot of people don't remember uh, their first pet because they've always just kind of grown up with them. Mm-hmm. I, I remember, you know, trying to convince my parents and being like, yeah, we should get one. We should, uh, we should do this. So he was uh, in his early life through my high school years, which was really fun. Cause I had a lot of time to be around him and remember him. And, uh, he was super smart. He added an element to my family that we kind of were ready for and needed at the time um just having something else in the house to love uh and you know losing him especially too is unique uh in going through that and i feel like i am stronger in a lot of ways because um of having him and having that experience and just knowing what that's like and i have so many countless memories that i can't even you know, begin to describe because of that moment, but, uh, getting my dog Satch at number 10. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you're like you said, I like, I was the youngest of four. So like I came into existence with existing pets. So I don't have that, but I did have a cat that was mine. Uh, we came home from football practice, which leads me into number 10 here. Uh, we came home from football practice and there was a cat up in our tree. And so my dad and my brother spent a little bit of time and coerced them to come down. And uh, the cat had a wicked scar over one eye that we're pretty sure it couldn't see out of. We didn't take it to the vet or nothing. And then we just brought him in and became our cat. My siblings wanted to name him One-Eyed Willie. Uh, I was, was allowed to say that it was my cat. So I just named him Blackie. It was super creative as a little kid. It's a black cat, so blackie it is. <laughs> so my number ten is I was fortunate enough to play with Thurman Thomas's nephews on my little loop team. So Thurman Thomas would come and watch me play little loop when I was a kid. Not every week, but a lot of home games he would be there. So I would say like three times a year. Wow. Yeah. Seriously? That is so cool. Yeah, he married, uh, I don't know if I should say this, uh, into a family named the Mariockers. Um, okay. They're still married to, to this day, same wife. And uh, yeah, Kyle and, and um, what was the older brother? Colin. That's so weird how life works like that, where because they're just around and in the area, you forget that they're people that live regular lives, like a lot of athletes. So then they show up at these things and you're like, 
what are you doing here that this is I when my goddaughter got baptized um baby Joe Macy's like someone in his family's goddaughter godson was getting baptized the same day so he was at the same christening I was oh, that's just looking across I'm like what are you doing here like <laughs> I've never seen you at this church before like you you live a regular life right oh that's cool it's weird how it's such a small world sometimes he brought Bruce Smith one time and my dad would run chain, uh, the, the chain gang. And so he's on the other side of the field and, you know, Bruce is standing on our side with Thurman. And after the game, I was like, dad, you see Bruce? You go, how would I miss him? He goes, you're looking over at the other sideline. It's little kid, little kid, little kid, all lined up in a row, basically. And then there's the coaches and then Bruce like towering over everybody. <laughs> Looking like he's about to eat everybody at that yeah. side of the field. Yeah, and my sister had a cool one too. I mean, it, they weren't in the same s- classes with them, but uh, Ted Washington's daughter uh, went to the same dance school as my sisters and me. I danced too for a while. And uh, <laughs> one time, he uh, at the Eastboro High School, he came to watch his daughter dance, and obviously, he could not fit into high school seats in an auditorium so the poor man had to stand in the back and my dad's like he took up like two of the double doors <laughs> that's incredible yeah wow how cool is that that's a really really cool story yeah very very lucky i i i am always you know quick to say like i understand some of these things i'm very fortunate so uh number nine Number nine, I'm going to put graduating college here. Um, Again, another kind of general one. Um, But I had a unique college experience. As I touched on it a little bit in the past. I started out as a history major. Um, and that's how I stayed my first year and a half or so. And I wanted to switch out because at the time, teachers weren't getting hired mm-hmm. at places. And I wanted to be a history teacher. So there was like a lot that factored into me making the decision not to do it. And I was kind of lost with it. I had always kind of done theater and acting. And uh, I I can't remember if I told this story on here or not before, but my, uh, my mom and dad sat me down and asked me why I wasn't doing theater and where a lot of people would push against art and against professions like that, that are kind of, you know, more uncertain than others. Um, they encouraged me to go that route and do that. So my whole experience changed from that, uh, especially because I felt it was where I belong. So it made school a little bit easier because I already kind of knew the basics for everything and I was comfortable doing that. So the long days didn't feel as long to me. And then when I did finish school after um, about five years of college, I was the first person in my immediate family to graduate college. So that was that was a really unique thing to to just represent my family well in that way, I guess. And a lot of people, you know, you you get to a certain level in a certain place in life and you hear very commonly like, oh, I have my master's. I have this. I have that. I have that. Not everybody has that experience. And it is something that I pushed myself to want to do. And not everybody finishes school and not everybody you know, has the discipline to, to make it in certain areas, not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I wanted that experience for myself and I'm glad I got it. So graduating college, it's my number nine. 
No, that's definitely cool. When when you're the first one to be able to do it, and it, it's something that you always you had a goal and you just stuck with it. You know that that kind of accomplishment it, it's hard to replace. Yeah, and I got a lot of experiences within that, like the shows I did uh, in college. I had such good experiences doing and mm. such fun memories from them. And uh, they prepared me entirely for what I do now. So it it was all like a nice experience just wrapped up by getting that piece of paper that sits on my wall now. Awesome. What school? Uh, Buff State. Go Bengals. <laughs> nice. That's where my wife went. Oh, really? That's so funny. I, I absolutely uh, had a great experience over there. Some departments aren't as great as others, and unfortunately, their theater department has shrunk down very much now compared to when I was there. Oh. Uh, but it's it's a good campus to go on, and I love that area of the Allentown. Oh, absolutely. So nice. So, yeah. so nice. My number nine is the first of my father... Um, it's so funny. You wouldn't expect this, but so my dad worked for Tops slash Wilson Farms, and he worked his way up, and he got into the corporate offices, and he was able to start making contacts with different people, and he had like special tickets all the time to like random stuff, and the first like one I remember like so random is my brother and my dad and I got to go see the Phantom Menace before it came out in theaters at like an exclusive like premiere. It was <laughs> we got a golden ticket, a literal golden ticket that, you know, one like exclusive premiere or something like that. And I don't know if we were supposed to get feedback. I don't really remember how close it was to the release date. I just remember like we were going and like there was like no hype still, like it was like still building of like you know Star Wars is finally back after what sixteen years or something like that or something 15 like that years or something like that. So it was like a big freaking deal. And here we are, like Dad hooking us up with these tickets. The only bummer about the whole story is, at, at, at they're like, all right, hope you all enjoyed. Um, if you could kindly on your way out, there's a box. Please deposit your ticket in the box. I'm like, oh. I didn't get to keep the ticket. We were joking like one of us should have. Like either my dad or my brother should have, but we did. We were, we were good. We were good people. I, I, that. You know, you mean, you're on George Lucas's hit list. Yep. Yeah, it, it's... I, I don't know. I would have... That's a moment where taking the ticket, I feel like, would have been a little acceptable for that. Just sell it on eBay years later, make a huge profit off of that. You know, somebody out there would want that as collector's item. Yeah, a thousand percent. I think it was so Return of the Jedi was 1983. Mm -hmm. uh, Phantom Menace got released on. Hold on. Hold on. 1999. May 16, 1999. So, yeah. So it was 16 years, 16 years of that. Um, how do you feel about, I know that you're a Star Wars person. How do you feel about the prequels? Are you someone who, like me, appreciates them because of the era we grew up in? 
There are moments I enjoy and moments I don't. So sequels, I'll just get this out of the way. The sequels, I hate them. Hate them, hate them. And I have many reasons. And listen to me on airing of the Grievous, airing of Grievouses with Johnny and Matt. Uh, and you can hear me bitch and complain all about that. But as far as the prequels go, the, the Phantom Menace is my favorite. Um, and then Revenge of the Sith is my second. And I really hate Attack of the Clones for many reasons. I just find it very unwatchable in moments. Um, Hayden Christensen's performance, he was just so poorly directed and just no one had any idea of how to sculpt and mold this kid in the right way. Because you watch Clone Wars, which literally takes place weeks after that you know that's where it starts off it's just weeks after that movie the cartoon and that performance is totally different you know that that anakin skywalker performance is so vastly different from what hayden christensen gave us it's unfortunate it's not his fault i really don't think it is because we've seen him act in other stuff recently in star wars and he's phenomenal so i I would not say it was hayden i originally had that thought process but meh it's George Lucas. Yeah. He's hit and miss, man. Yeah, 100%. That's all I can say. That's almost how I feel about everything with that. You could take Jar Jar out of certain things, too. First movie, he's okay. First movie, he's fine. And then they insist on just shoving him in your face for the rest of those. And you're like, oh, man, you didn't need to do that. Yeah. Little Annie. <laughs> <laughs> Or where are we? We're at number eight now, right? Number eight. Yes, that is correct. Um, I'm going to put here. I'm going to put being in my first movie um, out of here while we're talking about college and finishing college. So um, my degree is in theater. Um, I concentrated in performance when I was um, in high school and college. Um and right before I was about to leave school, this is a really funny story, actually. So I have two brothers. My brother, John, who's um, the closest to me in age, is like entirely opposite of me. He does not uh, do a lot of, you know, on stage work or things like that. He's very like book savvy, video game savvy. Um, it is trying to get in the stadies at this point. Um uh, but my youngest brother, my brother, Ben, is like basically a clone of me. We like the same things. We talk exactly the same with the same cadence. People assume we're twins all the time. And I have to be like, no, I'm the one with the tattoos. Like, that's <laughs> that's an easy way to distinguish us. Um, but he was in a show uh, at the Ghost Light Theater who has a podcast on our network. Uh, he was doing a version of Tom Sawyer over there. And a local um, film director saw him in that show and was filming a movie that summer and had asked someone else in the theater, are those two like him, Ben and um, DJ, the boy who played alongside him? He was like, are they 18 yet? Would they be able to be in a movie? And they're like, and he was like, no, they're not 18 at all. And he was like, oh, damn it. He goes, but Ben has a brother. That looks almost identical to him that uh, you could probably use for it. And he goes, 
and he goes, can he act? And he's like, he taught Ben how to act. Like Ben knows how to act because of him. So uh, I get a message about that on Facebook from the guy who recommended me. And then I got an email like a day or two later about uh, the role. I ended up getting it. And it was such a fun thing to do in that summer. It's a horror movie called Johnny Gruesome. It's, uh, you know, one of those uh, lower budget horror films that's campy in a lot of ways, but it's so much fun. Uh, I'm in like the first five minutes and there's a couple of good shots of me throughout but it was a cool thing to be able to put on my resume immediately out of school that that summer I jumped in and was doing a local film project immediately and it was paid work. That's yeah. the thing is like when you get to a certain point, you want to start getting paid for the stuff that you perform well in and do. It's the same with any profession that's out there and getting kind of like not the bragging rights, but the bragging rights of saying that I was able to do absolutely like getting that. the bragging rights. Yes, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Um, so yes, um, be getting my role in, uh, my first movie is my number eight. That's amazing. I didn't know that. That's really fun. So my second, um, my second movie that I did, uh, the only other title I have on IMDb right now, which that means entirely nothing by the way. Um, it, so you're familiar with Lord of the Rings. Mm hmm. Um, so I was in a movie called Bad Cupid, who had uh this guy named Shane Navu, who is uh an actor from New Jersey who's been on Boardwalk Empire and a bunch of other things. That's who I did my scene with. But the um the feature character they put in that movie was played by John Reese Davies, who is Gimli. Oh, that's awesome. So so I'm I'm not in scenes with him, but we share the same movie. I'm in the same movie as uh my favorite character from Lord of the Rings ever, which is Gimli. Dude, that's crazy. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? So do you have a SAG card? I don't have a SAG. I don't have enough credit. Well, I actually don't know because I've done a decent amount of commercial work at this point, too. So I might be able to get it, but it also kind of puts limits on your work around here too, because not that many bigger projects come to the area anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it probably would limit some of my work, but it, if I do get the chance to, at some point, I'm in a position where it would benefit me. I would absolutely love to get it. Dude, just to have the card would be so epic. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. It's a, it's a point that a lot of people don't make it to. And I would love to just be like, yeah, I, I did enough work in my life to be able to earn this. So I'm part we'll of see. a guild. <laughs> Just to say, I'm part of a guild. Part of a guild. Yeah, <laughs> easy. Oh, man. Uh, uh, not that we're trying to outdo each other, but I'm definitely not doing on this one. <laughs> Anyone can do this. But for my birthday uh, in 2018, uh, Chrissy got me tickets to go see the Cavs. It was LeBron's last year oh. in Cleveland. I had never seen him before. I would never gone to an NBA game before. I was a huge LeBron fan. Uh, therefore, I was also a Cavs fan. I've since become more of a Miami Heat fan because I love Jimmy Butler. I kind of just like follow stars. And like once he went to LA, I was like, eh, enough of you, LeBron. But um, that game was really cool. We They played uh, the Houston Rockets. And while you would think this is normally a bad thing, I kind of put it as a good thing. LeBron only scored nine points in the game. Wow. He w- they were terrible. 
<laughs> but dude, how many times has he scored less than 10 points in his career? You know what I mean? Like it's more rare to, to go and see LeBron and not see him score 20 something, 30 something points. Like I watched a game where he was terrible. Um, James Harden, I think only had like 11 or something like that. Chris Paul led all scores of 26. Which is a number that I will always have stuck in my head that Chris Paul, a guy I don't really like that much, uh, was just lights out. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that is brutal. Yeah. But it was a, a really great trip, you know, being in Cleveland, staying overnight. Uh, we went to Michael Simon's restaurant, uh, his barbecue place beforehand uh, called Mabel's. It's a really good place. Um, after that, we went to the casino. They got a jacket. Jack's Casino there. Mm-hmm. We went to the casino, killed some time. And then we made it in early enough because I said, I'm like, I, I want to watch warm-ups. Like, it's it's once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that I can watch a superstar warm up. I didn't get to see LeBron's, and I think it's because he goes, like, really early. Um, but we watched James Harden's. And dude, he... I know it's his warm-ups. He didn't miss a single shot for, like, I don't know, six minutes, seven minutes of shooting. Just getting off shot, getting off shot. Like every time they're just getting the ball back. I'm like, good Lord. I would have missed every single one of those shots. I am terrible at basketball. I I cannot make a shot to save my life. When we would play in gym class, I think I was like one for 101 out of every basket I shot. It it was, it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. And then uh, the, the only real bad thing out of that whole trip uh, really was that, a person getting into their seats before the game started lost their balance and fell over top and landed on Chrissy and then like fell into like two more people. And this dude, he's probably like six two, two eighty something pretty big dude. Right. And so he goes over top of Chrissy and luckily she's kind of bendy. So she just like bends with it and doesn't get hurt too bad. She said she had a little bit of a stiff neck, but nothing that like it didn't bother her the whole night. And then uh, the, the the dude that he landed on and, the, and his wife, like his knee went straight into this chick's back. Oh, she, they were gone the rest. Of, we never saw him. They weren't there for the entire game. Damn. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> and that's also the only time I've ever seen that happen where I was at a sporting event where somebody like, you know, it happens, you know, at every sporting event, somebody is drank too much or. Just I don't know. Maybe they're they don't like heights and they just like lose their balance, and just fall over. But this time it happened to Chrissy because so she wanted to make sure I brought that up. I was like, no, no, definitely bringing that up. Don't you worry. Oh man, you know what's really funny is I have a sporting event in Cleveland at some point on this list too. Oh cool, yeah. <laughs> it's just small world when it comes to certain things. I love Cleveland. So anyone that's ever tried to give that city crap, I'm like, dude, it's fun. It's a fun. Time. I didn't stay there long enough to have like more experiences in it. So like it's it's kind of low on my list right now. I'm not I'm not even gonna lie to you, it's kind of low on my list, but like I'm sure it could improve because I I haven't seen the rock and roll hall of fame over there. I haven't um, you know, really toured and seen a lot of like their main attractions or anything like that. I'm basing it off of like 48 hours that I was there on a whim. So it, 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 my opinion means nothing in the grand scheme of things. Mm. Oh man. Um, my number, what are we on? Number seven. 
We are on to number seven. On to number seven. Uh, my number seven, I am going to put uh, seeing my favorite comedian live on here, which is one that definitely sounds like it could be less of an important thing. Um, but I I have some background with this. So I don't know if you've ever watched the show King of Queens. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, there are reruns of it on all the time. So um, one of my favorite actors of all time or favorite even entertainers of all time is Patton Oswalt, yeah. who plays Spence on that show and does a million other things. He's Remy the Rat in uh, Ratatouille. He's provided voice work to like countless TV shows, Netflix shows, everything. But my favorite thing that he does is he's a stand-up comedian. He's been a stand-up comedian for about practicing really for his whole life. But I've known about him since about 2009, 2010 as a stand-up comedian. Mm -hmm. Um, Back when iTunes used to do those like free things that you would get out out there every once in a while, um, when the Nano came out and you could start like doing video on your iPod like really easily... I got one of these. Um, it was like a compilation of people on Comedy Central who had like just put out specials and were who were like more up and coming in the comedy world. And I'll never forget, like Joe Coy was on that. Um, Chelsea Handler was on it. Um, and then Patton was on it. And I was like, oh, my God, he does stand up comedy. I had no idea he does this. So from there, I bought one of his albums, which was so raunchy, but it was hilarious. I, I would listen to it delivering on my paper route and just laugh my ass off um, every time he did. And then I watched that special that I mentioned, and it was great. And then for after that, he just started putting out really good, consistent work, like even more um, than he did. And he's put out like four or five incredible specials that are on Netflix um, at this time. So about two years ago or so, my mom got me tickets to go see him. So we went to go together. I had no idea he was coming here. And it was one of those things where if she hadn't gotten that, I probably wouldn't have known that he was in town. Like that's how kind of like under advertised it was and underutilized or whatever. It was in this place. I never even knew about downtown and his show was just so good. And it's there's a couple a couple of things or a couple of people on here that I feel like you as a fan of them want to like cross like being around them or seeing them off your list. And it's one of those things where you're like, I don't know if I'll ever get the chance to do this. We, Matt and I talked about last week um, our artists we would want to see like live, like concerts we would love to go see. And like some of those, you're just like, yeah, I have no chance. And there are certain people that you're like, I don't think I'll ever have the chance. And he was one of those people. So just to be in that space with him while he was telling jokes was such a fun thing. And I laughed so hard. Like he he was exactly what I expected him to be. And he did crowd work and his crowd work was so good, too. He is so good on the fly. Um, Patton Oswalt is an absolute beast of an entertainer and seeing him. Uh, live was number seven on my list. So two years ago, how many years ago did he lose his wife? Oh man, he lost her in 
It was right after Trump got elected. So it was like 2017 ish, 2016, 2017. Okay. Because she did all that work on finding the Golden State Killer. Yeah. Wasn't that a cool, like, did you see that documentary with her? It was so cool. So, so cool. They're really special people. That's why I've always taken out of their relationship is that they're pretty special people. Yeah. So his his wife passed and he did. I don't know if you've ever seen it. He did an incredible special um, afterwards um, talking about just kind of like what he went through and his grieving process and telling his uh, his daughter um, that she had passed. It's such a powerful, powerful, powerful special. Um, hold on. I'm trying to grab the name of it so that I can plug it. Annihilation is the mm-hmm. name of it. Pat Oswald Annihilation. And it is it's one of the most vulnerable stand up pieces I've ever seen, but it is so good. Like he, he gets you really thinking, but he doesn't take you too far into it. He makes you laugh before, like you get like too hurt by it <laughs> in a lot of senses. Um, yeah. yeah, they, they were, they were a power couple as far as I'm concerned with the work they did. Yeah, for sure. I love his, uh, all the ham. <laughs> What's that? The, all the ham joke. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so good. He was just telling one uh, the other day, or when I went to see him, he was telling one about because he wheeled himself out on one of those scooters you have when you hurt your foot. Oh, you break your foot. So he came out and he's, um, he immediately comes out to all this applause, just thanking us. And then he goes, How'd you break your foot, Patton? And then he proceeds to talk about, how he was walking he tripped uh walking off of a curb and that's how he broke his ankle and he was saying that he was like that's the most uncool way to break it ever he was saying that glenn howerton um dennis from it's always sunny in philadelphia is a good friend of his Mm. and he like broke his knee like snowboarding like trying a trick and doing that he's like that's so much cooler than what i did he's like he's like you don't have to hide how you broke your foot and be embarrassed when you say something like that and then he was saying that tony hawk hurt himself and broke the same bone that Patton did like doing a skateboarding trick and he texted Patton oswald uh telling him hey you and me we're the same buddy and Pat was (laughs) like no we are not (laughs) he's like he's like you did it doing a cool trip i did it like somebody's auntie or something like that he just (laughs) he knows how to spin it so well i recommend if he comes back like that's a that's a show we're seeing for sure yeah he's a great guest too i've heard him on a different uh, podcast he's he kills it every time yeah he's great Uh, my number seven is uh the first appearance of matt johnson on this list a uh last year as we all know uh during the cincinnati Bengals game damar hamlin suddenly unexpectedly passed away on the field thankfully was resuscitated made a full recovery and we don't know yet but supposedly he's gonna win comeback player of the year very cool story the way i tie into this is that matt happened to weeks before Purchased tickets to see the New England Patriots for me and him. So it was our first NFL game going to see together after starting doing two point together and stuff and, and getting close as football buddies. And 
that game was so full of emotion to begin with. And then Naheem Hines, former Colt, Matt's diehard Colt, right? So Naheem Hines takes the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. And like, dude, to be there with Matt, with a former Colt scoring such a important touchdown, it was just like meant to be. It was like it, it right now it's giving me goose, goosebumps talking about it. It was that game was so electric. Now it was closer than it should have been. <laughs> we just couldn't put them away. But always is for some reason. It's always closer than it should be. Yeah. But thank thanks to Matt, I was at one of the coolest moments in Bill's history. That's such a cool moment to be at. Watching that clip gives me chills every time. I can't even imagine what it was like to be there. Everybody was probably just like floored in that moment, just watching that live. And to be there with Matt, especially, he's such a good guy to enjoy moments with, just like to be around and, and have a good time. And to really do that over, like you said, something you both love so much over two teams you love so much in some way. Um, that that's a cool, cool moment that you guys got to share. And he went all out too. Like he we were like in the like the second row. Wow. Like second row, like 40 yard line. He's such a good dude. Yeah. Wow. That's and yeah, then, now, and then now I'm a, thinking about that moment. And he took when he took the second one back, I think that was right in front of us. <laughs> so I can picture it correctly. Pretty sure it was. Like he was running down like our sideline. Mm. That's so incredible. Yep. So so the two live Bills memories I have so far, um, because I've only been to two games and they've only been within like the past five years or so. I've I so I'm a lifelong Bills fan, but I was never as diehard as a lot of other people because I'm from a baseball household. So I love the Mets uh, so, so much. But I I always went to like Bison's games growing up or like Matt oh. games if I got the chance to. Um, and the two experiences I have are um, I, the first one I ever went to was the Colts game like two years ago where it poured rain and McKenzie fumbled that punt return. Uh, that's the that's the only way I can describe it, because it's such a heartbreaking moment that like. But it was. um Diggs' best touchdown of the season was in that game, too, which was really cool. His, like, biggest highlight reel one was in that one. Um, And we then... Got, we got destroyed, didn't we? Destroyed. <laughs> destroyed. And it was pouring rain. It was freezing. I, me and uh, me and Cheeseman left, like, by the fourth quarter or so. We were gone, like, halfway through the third. Because uh, it was just, like, I would have stayed in the rain if it was closer, but... It was a blowout, so it was it was feeling colder by the minute. Oh, yes. it, it just really was. Um, and then I went. So this was a moment that just missed my list that I can talk about because we're talking about Bill stuff this year. Um, my dad, who's originally from Manhattan, his best friend, who's a Giants fan, and his son came up from New Jersey um, and stayed with uh, my parents for a, a couple days. And we went to the primetime game um, for the uh, Bills and Giants. So not only did we get to have that moment together where it's like his best friend and their two kids or whatever, which yeah. he hadn't had to that time yet. But man, the way my dad loves the Bills now, you would have thought he was raised in Buffalo like that. <laughs> like that man was 
slamming the bench as hard as he could on defensive plays, shouting as loud as he could. I was like, in that moment, I was like, man, you really are from Buffalo now. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> They're good moments. They provide great moments like that. Oh, absolutely. If I am correct, uh, I think I was listening to you talk about that on this podcast. Probably. Yeah. Probably. And, that, and how frustrating it was. Oh, my God. It was like, man, that game should have been put away like six times. That's one of the, that's one of the not to get too off topic. That's one of the reasons I've been so um, critical of Bass all season was that mm-hmm. game. He missed a couple yep. like he missed a couple of major ones in that game, like two field goals and an extra point that night. I think he missed. Yep. And I was like, well, what in the actual hell is going on? <laughs> but he's falling we, apart. That's one um, where, like you said with Matt, where you guys were in the second row, we were like maybe 15 rows back, dead center of the end zone. And both touchdowns we had that night were right in front of us. So that was so cool. That was so, so cool. I'm like, I love you, Tyra, but just stop. (laughs) Seriously, he almost got his revenge game against us. You're my boy and all, but just stop, would you please? <laughs> you took us to the postseason, but stop, man. Yeah. Please don't do that anymore. Uh, yeah, very cool. Very cool moment in memory. All right. We are into number six. Number six. I'm going to put um, being in my best friend from high school's wedding uh, at my number six. So this isn't my wedding moment yet, but this is his. And it was. One of those unique moments because it was so nostalgic for a lot of reasons. So um, I went growing up, I went to this school that we're in right now or that I'm in right now. Um, The same 24 people, my entire K through eight, like not a lot of people coming in and out when a new kid was coming in the next year it was a big deal like that was like oh my god we get a new person what are they going to be like like uh, how are they going to blend into this chemistry so i went from that to north town high school which my graduating class was like 350 people or something like that something ridiculous if not bigger it could have been a bigger class than that um and so there was kind of a culture shock when that happened where i was like I'm not in the same classes with everybody every single day. Like what's, what's going on here? Am I going to recognize anybody in anywhere? And I had played baseball um, a while around here. So I knew some kids, but I didn't really know people like other people did. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I, it's sophomore year. I met uh, my friend, Randy, who immediately we, it was like, we had known each other our entire lives and just clicked like that. And my whole my whole high school group of friends is like those people who I was always around. And I, you know, I have my own unique relationships with a lot of them now. But along the way, there were like. 12 or 13 of us that just were always together and we were always that crew. So when it came time for Randy to get married, which he did um, about nine months before I did, he they were. <laughs> They kind of like refused to give up on anybody who was like a part of their people. So his side of the wedding had like each of their sides had like 13 or 14 people standing oh with God. them. It was the it, the the uh, groomsmen's 
picture from beforehand looks like a mafia photo because we're all in all black wearing vans and we're just sitting around this gigantic porch, like mean mugging. Randy has both his nephews on his lap. Like it looks like we're in the mafia, but <laughs> just like the morning of in particular, we were at his mom's house in North Tonawanda, which I spent so much time, like just around, like riding my bike, showing up there driving over being there like three or four nights a week doing like getting into stupid shit getting like him getting kicked out of his house all the time getting told get a job like by the end of the high school where we were just walking around all the time and here we are like getting ready for his wedding and i'm like folding all the pocket squares for the guys because they don't know how to like fold it the right way but i'm seeing them as i like met them in high school like i'm seeing them as those people and just that fat like being there for him made it such a good day overall it was such a fun day and i was i just remember that being one of the happier days i've ever had in my life too because it was just it was our people doing our thing and um i i'll never forget that day so um randy and gianna's wedding is my number six and if you're listening Rand, it was such a great day yeah stress-free as the uh the 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 best man, you know, were yeah. you in or were you just standing in? I was, I was just standing in, but like, I'm it was, it, it was kind of funny with how our group is because a lot of us, like almost any of us could have swapped out and just done it. It was almost like the position was filled just to like have someone be in it yeah. in that sense. Uh, but yeah, it was, it, it was very low stress that day. I think we were out of white claws by like one o'clock. It was bad because we had like a uh, party limo bus that day. Yeah. And like all the girls thought like nobody's going to drink White Claws or whatever. And we all like they're so easy on my stomach. So I'll drink them all the time. <laughs> and we were we ran out in like two or three hours. We made him stop at a gas station. Again, yep. So. Same here. Those are the best. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Did you get to hop on the mic? No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't. But uh, it was still just as fun. You know, it's probably a strategy. You didn't want some stories to come out. I probably, I probably <laughs> would have said something that wasn't flattering about him at some point. Good stuff. Um, yeah, my number six is when I got to record an album. So I don't Ooh. know if you knew, but I was in a band from when I was first iteration of the band, probably started when I was 17. And I was in it until I was like 23. Yep. I didn't know that. What band? Uh, we were called Mortife. It was okay. a, It's Latin for a sudden and violent death. Which, you know, edgy, right? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but it was such a cool experience. Um, we recorded at Mark's Recording Studio in Clarence. Um, which, if you know Clarence at all, it's uh, where the Clarence Deli is, you just had straight up that hill right next to it, and it's literally next to the baseball diamond. There's like a little park there, and it's like right next to the baseball diamond. And uh, most of the time, we were headed there to go record. Our um, producer Fred Beshin, uh would be out by the uh, uh, basketball courts just shooting hoops, waiting for us to show up. And uh, it was super fun. I uh, don't know how long it took. Don't know how much money it took, 
it was a lot of both. And uh, at the end of it, we uh, we had a thousand CDs uh, that we thought we were going to do a good job of selling because we were going to do stuff. We were going to tour. And uh, I have two boxes still. So roughly 500 CDs. So if anyone wants a coaster, hit me up. Hell yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely take one next time I see you. Uh, you. Not one box or... No, I just just one singular one. one. Yeah, enough, I, I I don't I don't need any more clutter in my attic right now for a whole box. I've been trying to get uh, someone that's like uh, does target practice and like or skeet shooting. We can just like chuck them up. I love that. What, what else am I gonna do with them? Right now, it's just this running gag between me and my buddy Nate. Like, anyone need a CD? I got five hundred. <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll definitely take one yeah. at some point. But that is it is fun. I've um I like the process of recording music because um one of my friends has his own studio, so I've been able to kind of be around it a little bit. Yeah. And it is a really um good experience to just have to to have the knowledge of doing it and just to say you have that too is such a nice thing to be able to be able to claim. Yeah. What was cool about that place is uh, the Misfits recorded there. Oh, and, cool! And, and I think Rick James recorded there too. And the other thing I really liked about it is being inside those soundproof <clears throat> recording rooms where they have all the the padding up, and they close the door to go into where the producer sits. That lack of sound is the strangest thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I heard you can go crazy if you sit in it too long. <laughs> that wouldn't shock me, honestly. Look at Kanye. Oh, uh, see? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that we get it. <laughs> so that's oh. number six. Now we're on to our top five. Number five. Top five. I am going to put get, getting married at my number five. Nice. Because um it was it, it absolutely was a once in a lifetime experience because uh, she's never getting rid of me, no matter how hard she tries. Uh, she, it, it was a once in a lifetime experience. And it definitely was like people could say like, oh, yeah, best day of my life. And, you know, that feeling it's like best day of my life, best day of my life, which it is. But what I loved so much about my wedding is some people have a gigantic amount of people where it's like, you know, people will have three, 400 people at their wedding, which I, first of all, I don't know how people afford that. Second of all, it's just a lot. And going through that day, you don't get to ever do as much as you want it to because it's such a limited amount of time. But I had like 120 people at my wedding, give or take. And I think it was the perfect amount because I really had to narrow down who we wanted and who we didn't. So the people that were there were really unique and they were, I definitely could claim that they are the closest people in my life. Mm -hmm. And that day, I definitely feel like I got to interact with everybody at least enough to, um, to really make the day like there. And just looking around and seeing everybody that I absolutely love, like my favorite people, not just people that I invited because like, you know, I felt obligated to or did that, but all the people who have been there for me my entire life, getting to like 
shoot my one cousin a look as my wife was walking down the aisle, um, hugging my father-in-law and winking at my best friend while I was doing that because I caught his eye over my shoulder. Like those little things within it made that day so special for me. And I, more than anything, I think it's because I felt so supported that day. Like I felt so comfortable and so supported by everybody in my life in that moment. And I loved it most for that reason, I think. So that's why it's number five for me. Beautiful. Yeah, definitely have those like moments that you keep and like you don't capture it on like a photograph or on a video. It's it's a mental image that hopefully you have the rest of your life. That's what that's what makes it super unique. Because it's just you. It's it's your memory. It's not something you share with someone else. Like the way you see it, the way you lived it, the way you felt it. Like you can show someone a photo album of your wedding day. It's not the same. Mm-mm. No. Yeah, it's a it's an entirely different feeling. All the time Julie will go, not because, you know, anything's bad or anything like that but she'll go i want to do it again i want to do it again just to like have that feeling of you know just a big like party with everybody too and that moment is so special you you and chrissy know you've been married for a long time now so like you it's it's the start of a new journey for uh for a couple and it really is everything people uh say it should be some yeah. people make too big of a deal about the little things but if you you can't sweat the little things on that day no no, and if if you're looking for the party, I mean, dude, what, wedding day is the day. Yeah, we always we always compared because we weren't the first of our friend group to get married, but there's definitely some after, and we'd always compare like our wedding was better, <laughs> like our party our party was way better than this party <laughs> all the time, all the time. Uh, my number five, number five is uh, because I recorded an album. I was able to hear uh, my song played on the radio. My buddy Brett's roommate, Steve, um, rocking Steve K, who still does Sunday nights on on the edge. If you want to tune in, give him a shout out. I've listened to him before. Yeah, Uh, we we were pretty close. And, uh, you know, he was roommates with um, they were next door neighbors with my guitarist and my drummer. So, like, they got real close. And then uh, he was like, give me your CD. I'll put it on. Just tell me which song. So, you know, waiting around. <laughs> it, this is such like old school thing now. Like, but like waiting around a radio for like, for like your song to get played. Just like, oh, when's it going to be our turn? Oh, when's it going to be our tune? You know, you don't really have, maybe you wouldn't even have that now. Um, just because of the streaming age and stuff like that. But hearing your song on the radio is a very cool experience. Yeah, I can only imagine that that's so cool that you got that. And I can I can picture his voice very clearly because I used to listen to 1033 The Edge all the time before I was like streaming music. That was my main go to station. And those uh, Sunday nights are really, really good hours on the radio, too. Yeah, he 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 has a lot of freedom on there. Um it's a lot of metal, uh, a lot of uh, more underground stuff, stuff that's not mainstream. And he does, he picks a section where he goes through new albums that drop and stuff like that. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out. I don't know if he still plays in the band anymore, but he, he was in a band that was a very good metal band in Buffalo called uh, We're From the Government and We're Here to Help. 
which is like one of my favorite titles for a, a name for a band like ever. I love it. And as you get to know me a little bit more, Dan, you'll understand why something like that tickles me just the right way. Oh, I I 100% get why that would be hilarious <laughs> to you. Oh, so good. All right. Top five going along here. Number four. Number four. I'm going to put uh, seeing my favorite musical artist live, um, which is Eminem. Uh, I am a lifelong Eminem fan. Um, I've talked about it a couple of times on this show, but there's something about his lyricism to me, um, you know, past like the controversy and everything like that. There's something about his writing that has always struck me very as something very unique because he is. He has the ability to put together a lot of phrases and cadences that a lot of people would not. And he's paved the way for so many people, um, especially coming his story of being poor as hell in Detroit uh, and nobody wanting to take a chance on him. And then him becoming one of the biggest superstars in the world is something that like you have to respect in those moments. So I started listening to him around his fourth album um, or no, his fifth, I guess it would be with encore. Cause they had, infinite yeah yeah fifth i believe um that would be technically for him so i started listening around the fifth album um i was in middle school uh so i did a lot of catching up with it and it was during the time where um he wasn't making music really because he had um od'd and was about 45 minutes away from death when they got him to the hospital. Like if they had found him any later, he probably would have gone into a coma, which is crazy to think about um, him getting sober, uh, kind of revamping his style to fit where it sounded like him. And he wasn't that angry child that he started off as. And it, it's a really cool story, especially like even now when you you know, there's so much back and forth about Taylor Swift, which that's a conversation for another time with the NFL and everything like that. But seeing him in the stands, like in the crowd for the Lions game, when he is in Detroit, like rooting for the Lions, like it's such a cool thing to see how recognized he is, but still loves to be just around his hometown, like chilling out. Um, but all that being said, he, he also, because of, you know, his past issues and things like that. He doesn't tour as much anymore because he doesn't really like it, being around that life or that environment. Um, so my third year of college, the summer of my third year, um, I bought tickets to see him and Rihanna in New York at MetLife, which was insane. There were so many people at that show. I was like, the very, very, very back. I was like one of the furthest tickets like from the, but it, we were dead center. So yeah. I had a full view of him, but he looked like an ant from where I was. Um, but it was, it was one of the most incredible nights of my life because I was like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe this is ha like, I can't believe I'm seeing him. It's such like a rarity for people to have seen him in particular. And it's like, I can't believe I'm seeing him right now, him doing all my favorite songs that I grew up with. Um, I was with one of my closest friends who's also a massive fan. So he was having the time of his life too. Um, and then I ended up seeing him again because I went to Bonnaroo two years in a row 
And I bought my ticket before the lineup was even announced. And he was one of the headliners on that show. And I go with people. Right. So I go with people, too, um, that know all the tricks and stuff. So my first year, I learned how to get to the front of the stage so easily, like how to get really close. And man, I was so close to the stage for that show. Like I could see the outline of his face. I could see exactly what shirt he was wearing. Like it was such a cool, cool, cool experience. And I saw him in a different era too, where it was like, now I'm over the shock that like I'm seeing him for the first time. And like this time I could sit back and really enjoy it and being like, how he, how's he going to work this into a set? How's he going to do this? How's he going to do that? And he did stuff he didn't do the last time. Um, so yeah, both those experiences were really unique and I'm so happy I had them. And that comes in at my number four. That's cool. Yeah. I don't have any, uh, concerts on here. I, I toyed with one, um, <clears throat> waiting years to finally see three eleven because they famously, uh, would not come to Buffalo because after one of their shows at Darien Lake, uh, there was a scuffle and a fight and it ended up having a uh, young man being purposely run over uh, in the parking lot after the show. Uh, I actually have a couple of friends that knew this kid. Um, wow. They grew up with him. And so like 311 rode off Buffalo. It was like bad juju. If you don't think about 311, they're not about that life. They're not about the partying and fighting and stuff like that. They're, they're way chill. So uh, waiting years to finally see them and I seeing them at our park almost made the list. They're my uh, definitely my first honorable mention. Hell yeah. So number four for me is uh, my first championship ever witnessed live or at all really uh, seeing the bandits win the championship back in 08. Uh, so it's kind of a spur of the moment thing. We had gone to a couple of games that year. Um, they're really good. And I don't know why we waited. Um, but either way we did and I, I, I got us the tickets at Pops and just like you uh, we were in the furthest seat in the house so if you know the 300s at the arena um, <laughs> certain sections are a little further back than other sections because there's like an extra like cut out row those are the rows that we were in so, oh, Jesus, the yeah. ones where you're like, if you're at a Sabres game, you're looking saber tooth eye to eye. If he were still come down from the rafters, yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, like you and the dude doing and the catwalk are like almost yeah. high fives, yeah. Like, and when you stood up, it felt like you were like literally gonna just like fall over the edge and just keep falling for hundreds of feet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, I think they they won in a pretty easy fashion. And to, to see a, the first championship I've ever seen, um, and especially for Buffalo, was uh, very fun, very not unique because, you know, thousands of people also were there, but unique in the way of Buffalo doesn't win. And we finally, you know, after many years of not winning, once again, we finally won something and I was there for it. That's so cool. Yeah, I um, I watched the Bisons win 
um a championship at home in like 2005 or 6 and that mm. was a great year cuz they were really 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 good that season and I were remember they a that. Mets affiliate or a Cleveland affiliate then they were a Cleveland affiliate still at the time they did nothing with the Mets nobody ever does anything when they're associated with the Mets and it it it's heartbreaking Brian I have two sports teams that I root for with all my heart and soul and it's the New York Mets and the Buffalo Bills for whatever reason and they just break my heart every single year. You were just born a little too late. That's all. <laughs> just a little bit. I got so my it, it's so funny because people assume that I don't like the Yankees because of uh, my affiliation with the Mets. So that's not it. That's not it at all. My, one of my first baseball memories as a kid is like in seventh or no, not seventh. Um, when I was seven or eight, I was probably in second grade at the time. Yeah. Cause it was second grade going into third grade. Uh, Mike Piazza had hit a home run earlier in the season off of Roger Clemens. Who's notoriously a giant dick, um, <laughs> when it comes to pitching and they were facing the Yankees and, uh, Clemens pur- purposely whipped a baseball at Piazza's head while he was batting. And gave him a concussion that put him out of the all-star game that year. Like he had to miss a bunch of games because of that. And then later that year, they faced each other in the World Series and the Yankees won. So that's where I that's where my loathing in a lot of senses comes to them. But when Boston beat them at uh in 04, that kind of curbed my hatred for them a little bit. The but yeah, it, so I, I was born at the right time. They just could not um they couldn't seal the deal for a championship. So 86 is when they won their World Series or something, right? Or 85? 86, and then um, the 69 Mets, I believe, yeah. won a World Series. Um, but they have, two, they have two titles, just not in my lifetime. They've been to two World Series in my lifetime, but they just haven't been able to seal the deal. Oh. Sucks. I'm going to get there, though. We're, we're both going to get there. I don't know. <laughs> I have no confidence as a Bills fan. Yeah, me neither. But like, we, you just have to expect the unexpected and, and just pray. I was telling Matt, man, I've unfortunately, I think I've reached that age um, where I'm just, it doesn't hit me as hard. Like, you know, my wife was kind of bummed for two days. The game ends when we're out of the playoffs, and I'm literally just, I do a mock draft immediately after, just like, oh, who can we get? Oh, it's, it's, I know, seriously, I was already doing well, like after week 17 or so when fantasy was in the playoffs, I was already looking like, okay, for next season, who am I going to like start drafting this, this (laughs) and that position? Who are the early ridiculously like ridiculous predictions I could put for round one and two right now? (laughs) See, man's already got you hooked. Oh, my God, it's too much. (laughs) I'm around that man too much. Not number really, three, number three, I'm going to put uh, performing at Theater of Youth for the first time at my number three. Um, when I was in college, I fell in love with Theater of Youth, um, which is on Allen Street in Buffalo. Um, for those people who aren't familiar with Theater of Youth, they do shows that are particularly geared towards um younger audiences so 
um, a lot of times they'll do shows for baby babies. So they'll do like four to uh, four to seven years old. And then some age groups, it's better for like eight to 12. But you know what? No matter what, you're going to be entertained when you go there. Even if it's a little kid, it's not the most unsuitable theater for when it comes to them. Um, but they're so unique in a lot of ways because of um, the way the artistic director at the time thought of um, so many things within it. And I saw in college, I saw Robin Hood over there and I loved their production of them doing that. One of my favorite things about the theater itself is after the show ends, the ca- a lot of the members of the cast will come back on stage and they'll do a talk back with the kids. So the kids get to ask questions about, you know, what what do you do for a living? Where does this come from? All the we ended up structuring it a little bit more too, but um it they it was so good about giving an ending to the show. Like they they didn't walk away with all these like questions about like how things happened. They got to like have any questions they had about it answered, which was really, really unique. Um so luckily. When I was getting out of school that same year I did my movie, um, there was a part in their Christmas show that they were looking for somebody Hispanic specifically, like someone who was like kind of Spanish speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and my one of my professors or she was an assistant professor when I was there. Um, her name is Eve Everett, who I'm uh, very close with and I love very much um, me and Julie actually worked her wedding when she had it. And we were like, like the only one of the only students that were there. Um, She recommended me like she emailed my resume and my work over to theater of youth. And they responded asking about something. And then I ended up getting an email from Meg Quinn, who was the artistic director at the time, asking if I could come in for an audition like 10 days after I graduated from school. So I finished school. I had a week or so. I went in, I read for her, um, and she offered me a role there on the spot. So that end of the year, I ended up doing that show. And my it was so funny, Brian, because my attitude then was I just want to do one professional show before like I die. Like I just want to be able to do one thing professionally. I want to like prove to myself that I can do something like that. So I booked that that year and then um, a director who I'm good friends with now needed somebody for their next show. And he ended up calling me to audition for that show. And I got that. And then right after that, Meg was directing another show and used me again. So not only did I get a show that year, I ended up doing three shows in a row with them, which doesn't it, it doesn't happen to a lot of people. And from there. I worked there all the time when I did Jungle Book. It was over there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this book you might know because of your kids um, called Dragons Love Tacos. Yes. And they did a stage version of that over at Theater of Youth. And I played the Red Dragon when they, when we did that. It was one of the most fun shows I've ever done. The kids went nuts during that show. Like they they were going insane because of some of the things we did. It was it was so much fun. Um since COVID, that artistic director isn't there anymore. So unfortunately, I don't take work from them anymore because um, she was, I have a very specific love for her and the work that she put forward to that theater. 
Um, so it just doesn't feel the same anymore when I go there and I appreciate their message and I love it for a lot of reasons, but I just know that my time there is just kind of done. But by the time all was said and done, I had done 10 of their main stage shows and I toured a show for them for a year. That's Um, cool. It was, it was awesome. And there's no audience like children's audiences because, um, they were, they are brutally honest brutally 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 honest and will let you know if they don't like something or if they do like something and everybody needs that feedback in their life because now every other audience is easy compared to them (laughs) Uh, but my first show at theater of youth kicked all that off so and ironically because you know i'm a big batman person the show was um junie b jones jingle bells batman smells so my first professional show ever was um a show with batman in the title which like totally on brand for me yeah it is uh we actually just signed up our uh, oldest for um theater club oh awesome you know what you know what's so good about it too and i always tell this to parents when i teach classes is you have to learn no matter what profession you're in to be comfortable talking in front of people and it's such a skill that's being dumbed down these days by us always being in front of technology like we are now but in front of technology or on our phones and on iPads and stuff. And people lose the comfortability about looking somebody in the eye and talking to them. And theater allows you to, it makes forces you to do that with people you don't even know going into that class. So it's going to be a good skill for her, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, She's it's in her blood. Her mom did it. I did it. So. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are a performance family. So that typically goes together. Yeah. I love it. Uh, number three for me is what I call the, and Matt Matt was very glad to hear this is on the list, is one of his favorite stories. It's the Rob Ray story. So the Rob Ray story goes like this. <clears throat> My dad comes home from work and tells us, hey, I scored us some box tickets uh, for the Sabres game. It was the year that we were making our run to the Stanley Cup. Um, we lost to Dallas. So we're playing the Bruins. I think this is the second round. I said I was going to look this up beforehand, but life got in the way. Um, This was like 1999, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, So we're playing the Bruins, and it's my dad, my brother, uh, myself, and I got to bring my buddy Joe. And so we're up in the box having a blast. All you can eat wings, you know, for the adults, lots of beer i'm sure uh pop for us and uh we're enjoying the game that's enough of the experience right just being there for a playoff game in a box uh we're good um we were expected to win the series we did and so everything was going well and then rob ray comes in and we're watching up we're up front and my dad's like hey guys razor just came in why don't you come up and say hi i'm like oh awesome so we go up and uh, we had a poster, and he signed the poster, and we sh- shook our hands and stuff like that. And he goes, he goes, hey, nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks for coming out. Uh, and we offered him, like, we, not that we could get him a beer, but we were like, hey, Racer, get a beer. And he goes, ah, I can't, you know. I uh, don't know who's watching right now because he's scratched because you don't really need him. You know, he's the enforcer, and they're like, eh, we're not even going to dress you tonight. So he's just, like, making his way around the boxes. And he goes to us, uh, he goes, you guys uh, play sports? 
I'm like, yeah, we're, we're football and uh, we're a football family. He looks me up and down and goes, yeah, you look a little too chubby to play hockey. I'm like, how many people have been told they were fat by Rob Ray? <laughs> oh, my God. That's incredible. Yeah. So Rob Ray's a dick. <laughs> he insults little kids. He gave one of my teachers a wedgie. See, he is a dick. So when I was in high school, they used to do a charity basketball game where the teachers would face former members of the Sabres. I don't know how they hooked it up all the time, but Rob Ray was one of the consistent guys. So uh, Mr. Mr. Gold, who was one of the teachers over there, um, did like wrestling style promos like towards him leading up to it so yeah. during the game rob ray gave him a wedgie they must have planned it but like it was it was absolutely hilarious it was like the talked about moment of the year like my freshman or sophomore year whenever it was amazing so good rob ray's clearly a dick he's a dick he's a dick but i'll, I'll have that memory forever and i and me and my brother talk about it often Hell yeah, the okay. time that rob ray called us fat that's <laughs> so funny I love that I mean guy. he's not wrong I mean I was too big to be playing hockey but what's well, it's not for him to say everybody needs a goalie like come on Goldberg yes I could have been Goldberg right exactly <laughs> uh, we're on to our top two here number two for you Dan number two here's where my Cleveland event comes in awesome. um, <clears throat> I am a massive UFC fan I have loved it since about UFC 181, which was um, Robbie Lawler fighting uh, Johnny Hendricks for the second time. That's where I consider myself a full time fan because I knew about people like Chuck Liddell and Brock Lesnar beforehand um, and Randy's tour, obviously, because of how big he was. But I wasn't um, kind of locked into it and I didn't have the means to really watch. I didn't know where to too much. Um but once I really got hooked in, I was absolutely hooked. It was kind of during the a, a lot of people would say it was like the McGregor era at the time. But for, but for me, I know it is the first seeds of DC John Jones, because that's one of the biggest rivalries in MMA for me. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a fun time because a lot of people were up and coming. And, it, and that was like the year Connor was really starting to pop off. And he, he was making it interesting. I hate the guy so much for a lot of different reasons, but he was making the sport interesting and he had a following that was crazy at the time. Um, but at the time, there was this guy uh, making a run towards the heavyweight belt named Stipe Miocic. And I I had liked him a lot. He was very soft-spoken. Uh, I had been watching him fight. He was slowly making his way up the heavyweight rankings. And... The same day I graduated college, he won the heavyweight belt in Brazil, like in front of like a hostile crowd because he was fighting a Fabricio Verdum, who's from Brazil, um, Sao Paulo area, I believe. Excuse me. Um, but Stipe is um, American from Cleveland. So in order to capitalize on Stipe being heavyweight champ, they made an event in Cleveland for his first defense. My cousin, um, my cousin Vincent, who's about four years older than me, is like the closest thing I have to an older brother as far as family. So 
I said something about, oh, they just made this fight in Cleveland. And he was like, would you want to go to that? Because I've been considering doing it. And um, I've never been to one before. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. I've never been. Um, so we went back to Cleveland, which he went to Ohio Tech. So he doesn't necessarily have the best <laughs> memories of Cleveland. I know that one time when he was living there in school, he had this massive DVD collection of like all these different movies. And someone broke into his house and stole like all of them. And he had to start over. It was like hundreds and hundreds of them. So he definitely has some some uh, trauma associated with that. But um, he took us to this really good pizza place in Ohio. I cannot remember what place it was in Cleveland, but it was delicious. It was like good Pizza Hut pizza, basically. Um, and we went, like you said, for um, warm-ups when you went to go see the Cavs, we went from the earliest fight we could possibly go to and like stayed till the end. And man, I, I got to see some, uh, there were some really good fights on that card. But I will never forget the energy of when Stipe came out because he's defending the belt. He's, you know, from from Cleveland, obviously, uh, from what I've said, he always comes out to the song Till I Die by Machine Gun Kelly, who is also from Cleveland. Yeah. And it's and that song is about uh, Cleveland as well. So. He comes out, everybody is screaming the song as he's walking it out. The Buffer's doing the announcements. They're squaring him up. I had to sit down because I thought I was going to pass out because of how the energy was in that. He cut, They come out. They touch gloves. They're feeling each other out back and forth a little bit. Alistair hits Stipe with a straight right and drops him for a second. The whole place goes absolutely silent. Like All the air gets like sucked out for a second. He uh, he has him down. He almost had him in like um, a headlock position, but Stipe got to his feet and got out of it. Everybody gets back and energized again. Stipe ends up getting him to the ground of the first round, ground and pounds him, knocks him out in the first round. Nice. Everybody goes nuts. You couldn't hear a single thing in that arena. It was unlike any energy I've ever seen at a sporting event him him like defending his belt in front of his hometown was so cool it was such a different energy than anything i've ever seen even i've been to two events since then i've been to um the one they did in buffalo uh a while back and then i was at um one they did in utica and both of those were they all of them were great experiences. I had such a blast at every single one of them. Uh, but that one, like the stakes were so high and like celebrating with everybody after was so much fun. Like that, it was such a cool, cool thing. It's a mini Super Bowl. It's a it's a Super Bowl for one night that you're getting because it's a title fight. It's a very different energy than a lot of other sporting events. Yeah. Um, and the only downside was that Cleveland bars closed at two o'clock. So we got out. It was one o'clock. We had an hour to be at the bar afterwards, which sucked because you wanted to like kind of keep going a little bit more yeah. because it, it was such an adrenaline rush with that. Um, I also a cool tie in from that for me was he headlined that event and then um, Daniel Cormier ended up headlining in Buffalo and I got to see DC when he was here and 
Stipe and DC ended up having my favorite trilogy in the UFC. They ended up fighting each other three times afterwards. So it was cool that I I saw both of those guys live, and then they ended up having like three of my favorite fights ever. I thought I just thought it was a really really cool thing to um, be able to put on my you know sports resume in a lot of senses. No, so man. so UFC two hundred three is my number two. That's awesome. I don't, it was, know I, I don't know if I've ever really fallen in love with the sport enough to really truly appreciate it. I've watched countless, dude. Like I couldn't even tell you how many, you know, pay per views my buddy has streamed off a <laughs> illegal site, and like it seemed like every Saturday night I'd be over at his place and it would be on. Um, it just I don't know what it was. It's just I I oh I like knockouts. I do know that. I like knockouts. Um the GSP era killed me because he there was never any knockouts when you were watching him fight. Dude would just lay on top of people and was like, Ugh, this isn't a sport. He drives me nuts. <laughs> Someone should make him have to do something. <laughs> you know what's crazy about that now is his style was so unique for the time too, because he was so wrestle heavy and like a lot of people couldn't defend the grappling. Yeah. So many people are so well versed in jujitsu now that it changes up wrestling for a lot of people. Cause if you try to just traditionally mat wrestle and just go for positions, sometimes you could get caught with some stuff and it's still, there is a lot of stuff in the sport that still is very like that. Like there are a lot of point fighters and things like that, which you kind of learn to appreciate that after a while. Uh, but I, I'm actually when when a when a card is super stacked, like it's one that you should be in the house for. And UFC 300 is going to be like that coming up. So mm -hmm. I might be doing something at the studio for it. So keep that in mind. OK, I can definitely make it out for at least one. Cool. That sounds good. Number two for me is something that just happened to me. It is a thing I have thought about my entire life pretty much um, since I chose this team as my college team but watching Michigan make their run this year and winning the national championship yes haters go ahead call us cheaters call us whatever you want uh, fact of the matter is when the most attention and the hardest teams were on our schedule uh, we answered the bell every time so being able to finally wear this shirt, which actually coincidentally, I just happened to have my national championship shirt on. Being able to wear this as a pretty much lifelong Michigan Wolverine fan uh, was the coolest experience. Um, I often wondered what I would do if I actually saw them win anything. And even just like a Big Ten championship, that always seemed like something that was like, never going to happen and then it's happened three years in a row now and I was like am I going to cry am I going to be one of those guys am I going to be so caught up in the emotion that you know I'm just bawling my eyes out and I found out that I'm not that guy because I think I'm saving that for the Bills <laughs> if and when the Bills finally win the big one that's probably when my tears uh, will start going because when we ended the drought there were some tears then I remember not big time tears, but I got choked up when we finally ended the drought and uh punched our ticket. But getting to watch a team that I've watched since I was 14 years old as a diehard, you know, 
that was the last time that they had won a national championship when Charles Woodson was on the team and Tom Brady was on the team. Like that was so long ago. And there was a lot of bad years, a lot of bad football uh, in between then and us winning the championship this year. So a, a wonderful life changing experience. And uh, I'm, I'm happy for all you Chargers fans. I hope, I hope it happens for you next because this dude's got a Midas touch and I think he's going to do the same thing. Yeah. He already like I, uh, this season as a fantasy wise, um, wanted Justin Herbert for all of my leagues. I ended up only getting him in one and it was so up and down because of like, you know, so many different factors, but like, now that Harbaugh is in there, he's like immediately in my top five to draft next year again, if I could get him, because like, I feel like he's just going to turn everything around there. Yeah. Michigan was lucky to have him for so long and ending on this note before he, you know, coaches in the NFL is like, so cool. I was so happy for uh, Michigan and to see him get that respect too. Well deserved. He's hated though. I know he is. I know he is, but like, you know what? People hate everybody when they're like good. Even like for as much crap as we give Tom Brady and has given him and have given him throughout the years, Bill's fans are the first people to be like, Oh yeah, he's the greatest of all time. Nope. Like he's 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 the greatest quarterback ever. Yeah. And like that video of him uh and Josh came out the other day. I don't know if you saw that, um, where they were talking, and it made me kind of be like Okay, well, if like if Tom Brady is that he thinks so highly of this guy, we've got to have like something really special, right? Like we've got to have something really, really good if he gives up that. And I shared it on my Instagram and my wife, my wife inboxed me. She's like, don't you hate him? And I'm like, oh, he's a douche, but he's the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> and she goes, this is very pro him and I don't like it. I uh, and I'm always going to be a little jaded because he he goes to the school that I root for, you know, went to the school that I root for. Um, but in all honesty, I, my opinion on him changed as far as like what kind of person he might be. Is I forget what Super Bowl was. It might have been the one with uh, the Bucks when they beat the Chiefs. But um, he's doing the media day thing at uh, the Super Bowl, and this little kid's on top of his dad's shoulders. And he gets to ask Tom a question. He goes, he goes, a lot of people would say that you're their hero, Tom. Who's your hero? Have you ever seen that clip before? No, I never have. So he, he pauses. He goes, wow, that's a really great question. I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that before. He goes, my hero. I think my hero is my dad. Cause it's somebody that I, every day I look up to. And then he kind of pauses for a moment and he goes, my dad, he gets all choked up. Like you hear it in his throat Ugh. and you can see his eyes well up. And I was like, damn dude. Okay. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to have to look that up now for yeah. sure. He Ooh. is human. <laughs> Seriously. Sometimes you forget what that man that he is, but he sure is. Yep. All right, man. Number one life experience. My number one life experience. Um, was getting to spend three weeks in Rwanda uh, my last year of college. Um, I think everybody should do a significant travel experience in your lifetime um, because people forget with being in your own four corners of the world at one point, 
there's other stuff out there and there's people that live on the other side of the world that live like the exact same lives that you do in a lot of different ways. And there are just other things out there and um, getting to go to Rwanda um, on study abroad was one of the most life-changing experiences I've ever had. First of all, being on a flight that long, like that tests your will and you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be a strong person to travel for like 28 hours or so uh, with people. Cause <laughs> we, we went from Toronto to on the way there, it was Toronto to Ethiopia and then Ethiopia to Rwanda when we went over there. Um, so it was like 12 hours on the first flight and then a little bit of a layover in Ethiopia and then another three hour or so flight to get to Rwanda, which was a lot. Uh, but it was one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to in my entire life. The weather was gorgeous. We went in January, so it was freezing here, but it was it was gorgeous over there. The it was so peaceful that like you would wake up in the morning and the birds were like chirping so loudly, and you forget how much noise everything else in the background of like cities and just places that you live with kind of blends those things together in a lot of ways, but just to hear the raw sound of that was amazing. Uh, on Sundays, the, everybody in the churches has their doors open so you can hear the whole country singing. It's the most beautiful experience you'll ever have in your entire life. People there are so friendly. Um, their forgiveness policy is unbelievable. For those people that don't know history too well, in 1994, they had one of the worst genocides the world has ever seen. Uh, a million people in 100 days. Uh, which is a wild statistic when you work look at it that way. And as opposed to the Holocaust, it was very um, it, it was very primitive. Like there were a lot of rather than you know having it be kind of factory related and killing people, it was very like machetes and grenades and different things like that. Um, and they they keep a, a lot of it preserved, which. Um, was another reason that that impacted me so much because you see what people can recover from and um, how countries can change and the beauty of certain things. Um, and I came back a different person from that whole experience. I loved every single person I met over there. I have a friend named Eric who I still like text with on Instagram all the time um, and just give him a like, miss you brother, miss you brother or something like that. Um, but the, it's just, one of the greatest things I've ever experienced in my life. And it really did change me to the core as a person. And I don't think I'd be that person right now if I didn't have that experience. So going to Rwanda in college is my number one. I've heard you talk about that before, but to hear the actual, like the, being able to describe it the way you do with, the noises and the sights and stuff like that. And just, you know, the fact that you have a lifelong friend from it is super cool. Dude, I went on a safari, like a legit safari. And that was like one of the coolest things I've ever, like seeing elephants in the wild. Like, well, come on, man. Nobody sees that. Like, that's right. not a thing you're going to see in the United States. It was, it was amazing. It was unbelievable. I got to get to Africa. Yeah, you do. At some point. It's worth the trip. I barely get to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I know. it's It requires some, some planning for sure. 
number one for me is a moment that was <laughs> that my wife and I have both said uh, successfully pushed out our wedding night as our favorite night together. It is the Bills primetime playoff game against the Patriots <laughs> from the frigid cold tailgate to meeting new people, seeing old people that we were friends with and just having an absolute blast. Um, the, the anticipation of it like was so insane um, because we hadn't hosted a playoff game in so long and we knew we were good. And we in like the whole belief in the city is like, yeah, like, but how good are we? And then I watched Josh Allen throw more touchdowns than he did incompletions in a basically perfect passing game. It statistically, it's still the best performance ever in a playoff game by a quarterback. Um, when you take in quarterback rating and all that stuff. And it was never close. The closest it got, and it was it was right near us, was when they drove down. And Mac Jones throws that interception to Micah Hyde, where Micah just makes a miraculous play, just phenomenal all-pro play. And then from then on, it was just party. By halftime, you knew, you knew, like, all right, we're moving on. Bring on Kansas City, let's go. And the atmosphere, I had never been to a primetime game. You know, we didn't host too many. And they always cost a lot, and I always heard like a bunch of nonsense about people. And how many more fights there are and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm not about that. I'm just there for a good time. And we were lucky enough that we were there with a dad and a son that were like, his, you know, the son was like close to our age. And, you know, he's, he's talking about, he goes like, bring like memories of him being at like Bill's playoff game back in the nineties and stuff like that. And then there was this like couple that was a few years younger than us. And it was their first time going to a big time game together. And me and Chris here are like diehards. That's our favorite thing to do together is to go to uh, Bill's games together and going to that for whatever reason, it all just lined up for like the coolest experience of my life. You know, what's really funny is so many people who were at that game say the exact same thing. And I, I can't help but agree. That was like the changing of the guard officially from the Patriots being the guys to us being the guys because they were competing for the number one seed all year, too. And we were like, oh, you know, this they might be a problem for us. They we were one and one in the season with them. This yep. was the rubber match for it. The Patriots always find some way to hurt us somehow if if they can. And we just stun it on them that game. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. was the, it's it's the worst loss. Still to this day, the worst loss that Belichick's ever had as a coach, and it came in a playoff game. Yeah, <laughs> for the first round where we, but like with Fitzpatrick taking his shirt off too, and like just being in the crowd with everybody, like what a legend for that. My cousin posted a picture with him, like they were in the same section. Yeah, he's right behind him, and um, the the way it gets summed up perfectly is his wife commented on it. She wasn't at the game. She comments on it. She goes, is it, is that Fitzpatrick with his shirt off? And he just comments back and he goes, 
dude ripped it off right at the start of the third. Oh, right at the start of the fourth quarter. Absolute legend or something like that. It's just it, it was such a good atmosphere that game. That was that was one of the better ones we've ever had. Yeah, I'm undefeated when uh, going to watch us play the Patriots. The other the other one that I always bring up is if you remember, uh, maybe we can save this. Nah, I'll talk about it anyways. But we will if we when we if and when we do our Bills uh, list, uh, this will definitely be on there. Uh, blanking them in the home opener. With lawyer Malloy, thirty-one nothing. I was at that game with my mom. Ah, that's beautiful. Yeah. I at one point, that. I was compiling like the uh, the scores at the games of uh, the Patriots games I've been at, and it was like ninety uh, something to like twenty something. I love it. Oh my <laughs> god. So what do you think? How do I do on my uh, first first episode here? I give you an A plus for this first episode, especially, you know, you're coming into this as a new co-host. You're you came in with good energy. You pretended to be Matt, which, you know, that's always a bonus. <laughs> um, and I I think we're going to get along very, 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 very well on this. I know we will. I know we will. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to pick for next week just yet. I'm usually I'll uh, I'll preface this as. I usually take a little bit of time to think before coming up. I'm very like particular about what I want to do usually, but um, listeners know that whatever we pick next week is going to be something they can enjoy and follow along with easily. I can't wait. Can't wait. You want to take us out? Yeah, I absolutely will. Um, Make sure you check out all the other shows on our network at BICBP-radio.com. Um, thank you to Matt personally. I didn't get to tell him last week, really, but he's done so much for the show. Um, one summer, I can't even remember if I mentioned this on air or not. Uh, one summer, a year or two ago, I messaged him saying I'm in the mood to be creative this summer and I want to start a, a project up. And I really wanted it to be with him. And he's like, let's do it. And he brought me on to Eat Sleep List. So I'm glad I get to continue it. And start this new chapter here because it's such a good show that I know you and I are going to do a great job at keeping it going, Brian. Um, But Matt, thank you for everything you did for the show um, and continue to do for it as well. But until next time, from Brian and myself, do you even list? on top and